Ladies and gentlemen, a very good evening and a warm welcome to the Red and Blue Review. My name is Nick Philpot. Thank you for joining us on this Monday evening. Um, first of all, before we get into the show, I must sincerely apologise for the lack of uh, production last last weekend. Life got in the, way, in the way, but to make up for it this evening, we have got a massive panel for you uh, and, and they're all going to be joining me very shortly. Don't forget you can find us on YouTube. We are broadcasting right now live on YouTube. Get on there, jump on there, give us your comments. Uh, let's introduce the team as they pop up on the screen. First of all, a very warm welcome to Mr Noble. Ian, welcome back, mate. How are you? Uh, very good evening, Nick. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be back on the Red and Blue Review. Uh, you know what? I've missed it. I've missed not being on here the last few weeks. And it's really good to be back, even though I, I'm, I'm foregoing Nottingham Forest via Aston Villa tonight to be here with you guys. So. And they've just kicked off a one minute in and it's still nil-nil. If you want to me, I'll keep you abreast of what's going on. And making her debut, finally, finally, after all this time, when she gets her camera nice and still, welcome to Chloe Johnson. Chloe, welcome to the Red and Blue Review. And more importantly, welcome to the team. Hi. How do you feel? Yeah, fine. I've just had some technical problems. Like my laptop's just died, so I'm gonna have to like hold my phone throughout the whole thing. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Now, Jill, if you're there, mate, we can't see you at the moment. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but I cannot see you, and I can see my picture's also gone a bit strange as well. Uh, and also joining us in this evening will be uh, some members from the Crystal Palace uh, Supporters Club, uh, Disabled Supporters Association, and they will be joining us very shortly. In fact, here comes Lindsay right now. And Bruce, Lindsay, welcome to the Red and Blue Review. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. And Bruce also sitting in his car somewhere down in Crawley. Welcome to the Red and Blue Review, mate. Thank you, guys. Absolute pleasure to be here. Okay. So I'm going to kick off, if you don't mind. So forgive me about... I don't know if I've gone all purple on your screen, but I have on my yeah. screen. And yeah, I don't yeah. You're no, in I sepia, mate. You're in sepia. No, no, I haven't touched anything. You know me and technology, mate. I wouldn't even know where to find sepia. Okay. Chloe Johnson, finally, you're here. <laughs> How long has it taken me to get you to make your debut on the Red and Blue Review? Gel, drop, drop out, mate. Can't see you. How long is it? How long have I been? I've been hassling you to come on. Maybe a year, maybe just under. I'm not sure. I think it's just under a year. So tell us a little bit about your Palace history, please. So what was your first game? When did you first go to Sellers? First game? Um, I'm not too sure. I tried to ask my dad, but he wasn't sure either. But I was very young. I was like primary school, like low end primary school, probably like four or five. Um, the first manager I remember was Ian Dowie because that's like when I first started. You don't really remember stuff like when you're that young. So the first manager I properly remember was him. Cool. And you fell in love with his good looks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh. Harsh, harsh, harsh. Any idea? You don't know what the game was. You don't know what the result was. You don't even know what the year was, no? <laughs> so about... It was like early 2000s, but that's so, not what I can tell what you. What part of the stadium do you sit? Um, mainly Arthur Wake. So. In the Arthur Wake. And just, uh, guys, I can see you all appearing in the chat. Steve, good evening, mate. Joan, Dawn. Uh, Joan, you popped up twice for some reason. Uh, Joan has already sent you a message, Chloe, saying, well done. Uh, James, 
evening, James. Okay, so coming up on tonight's show, I'm going to be setting you all some homework. All some homework. This is not just the guys on the panel, because I'm hoping Jill will come back on in a second. Uh, we're going to do that very shortly. We're going to be talking about some news from the, uh, the kids, the under-21s, and lots of other bits and pieces. But first, and I'm coming to you all, okay? Between now and the World Cup, we have, I think it's weekend, basically we've got a game, weekend game and a uh, midweek game, most of the week now leading up to the World Cup. We have six games, four home, sorry, four away and two at home. Uh, the games are, and here you go, they're on screen. Thank you, Nigel. Uh, Leicester away, uh, Wolves at home, Everton away, Southampton at home, West Ham away, and Nottingham Forest away. And this is before we go, uh, you know, we take a break for the World Cup and we'll be back uh, after Christmas. So what I want from you guys out in the chat, okay, and also from you guys on the screen, I would like to know what your score predictions so there's 18 points available between now and the break. How many points do you predict that Crystal Palace are going to make in that time between now and the break for the World Cup? All of those games. There's also another game in there, of course, that you could ignore, really, because it's the Newcastle away trip in the third round of the League Cup. These are just the uh, Premier League games I want your predictions for. So there's 18 points available. In the chat, please, straight away, I'd like to know. Evening, Tom, I can see you and Tim. Uh, I'd like to know how many points you predict the Palace will uh, get between now and the break for the World Cup. And when we come back after the World Cup, okay, uh, we will we will read out read out all your predictions live on air, okay, and absolutely slaughter the ones that got nowhere near it. And congratulations, congratulate. And if there is an out an out winner, an outright winner uh, in our big box of prizes that we have available, uh, Ian Noble will pick a win a winner. So I don't have to do it, okay. So we'll do that. Near the time, so get your predictions in right now in the chat. Joan's already come in with hers at 10 points, and Tim Richards has come in at nine points. So, Nigel will be collating all this information. Bruce, coming to you from the uh, Disabled Supporters Association. But before we come in and start talking about that, which we will do in a minute, I'd like to know how many points do you predict that we will score between now and the international break? I'm looking at even Steven. So two wins, two draws, two losses. So eight points for me. Mm, okay. Mr. Noble, you next. I'll go 11. I think we'll win three, draw two, and lose to West Ham. Ladies, who wants to go first? Chloe. Uh, yeah, 11 2. Um, yeah, I think we'll lose against West Ham um, and beat. Southampton and Leicester. Okay. Yeah. Lindsay. Bruce, I'm really disappointed with that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm obviously a little bit more optimistic. I'm going in with 12. 12 points. You know what? There you go. And what do you think out in the chat, ladies and gentlemen? George Wells says nine. Joan, as I said, has said 10. Uh, Tim said nine as well. So, very interesting. Um, I want to do a couple of bits and pieces before we start talking about the Disabled Supporters Association. And for those that you missed the breaking news from Sellers Park today, Crystal Palace Sporting Director Dougie Freeman has signed a new contract at Sellers Park. Other clubs have shown interest in the 48-year-old Scott, but an improved deal will see the former Crystal Palace striker and manager 
continue in his key role he began five years ago. That is according to The Athletic today. Now, some of you may know I've got mixed feelings about Dougie Freeman. A lot of you out there said, Nick, let it go. Okay, For God's sake, the Bolton issue was years ago. Let it go. However, on the flip side of that, a couple of the previous transfer windows we've had were probably some of the best transfer windows in our history. So I have got a split feeling personally on that. So we'll come back. You know, I'm glad he's staying with us. I'm glad nobody else is reaping the benefit of his success in the in the transfer window. How have our lone players got out done recently? Malachi Boateng played all 90 minutes for Queen's Park. Uh, they lost 5-0 five, five away at Air. His brother, David Boateng, was on the bench and wasn't used. Jez Saki, who is absolutely ripping it up in, for Charlton at the moment. Um, he started against Lincoln in their nil-nil draw, but was substituted off in the 94th minute. Young Scotty Banks uh, wasn't in the squad for the Bradford defeat at Stockport, which is a bit strange because he's also been ripping it up for Bradford as well. So why he wasn't in the... Uh, in the squad, I don't know. Remy Matthews, goalkeeper, uh, conceded two goals against Celtic as St Johnston lost 2-1. Reese Hannon started but was substituted off in the 59th minute for Bromley in a 1-1 draw against Gateshead. Uh, Daniel Quick played the full 90 minutes for Dorking Wanderers in their 4-1 defeat against Altrincham. Rob Street came on for Shrewsbury in the 40th minute in their 2-1 win against Milton Keynes. Dons and was booked in the 90th minute. And finally, Luke Plange, uh, he scored for RWD Molenbeek in the 40th minute uh, in their 2-0 win against whatever that says, beer shot, I think it actually says, uh, but it was substituted in the 61st minute. Jake O'Brien played the full 90 minutes in that game. Um, the kids, the under-21s, have had a mixed run of late. Uh, I think they've played six times since we lost uh, we lost uh, actually they did a show uh, they, they drew 3-3 as it says on screen against Chelsea uh, they won 7-3 against PSG which is a phenomenal result okay uh, on Saturday the first they lost 1-0 to West Ham uh, they also played uh, Bristol Rovers where they also lost 2-0 in that one that was in the EFL trophy and on Sunday the 9th of October they played Everton at home at the training ground and they lost 3-4 unfortunately so that brings you right up to date. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I think uh, it will be remiss of me not to remind everybody that's watching this, whether you're watching this live or whether you're watching this on any of the downloads, today is Mental Health Awareness Day. And it's very, very important that if you are struggling in any way, shape or form, it's okay not to be okay. And it really is okay not to be okay. Just talk to somebody. And to my amazement today, I think somebody very brave like uh, Darren Ambrose has actually publicly come out on the Crystal Palace website and said, you know what? I've struggled as well over my time. And his, his quote today, the only advice I can give is this. Let people know what's going on. There's still a stigma around mental health and people are still uncomfortable talking about it. But it's got to become part of the daily life. Folks, if you are struggling out there, and we've actually covered mental health issues on this show many times over the, over the years, it's okay not to be okay. Reach out to one of us. I don't care. Reach out to any of us. Okay, any of the team. It's not my team. The team, whether on the show tonight or not, reach out, and somebody will pick up the phone to you and talk to you. And I think at this point, in while I'm talking about 
Mental Health Awareness Day. I'm going to hand over to you and let you do uh, some good work on the DSA and find out about the good work that they do. Over to you, mate. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah, just endorse what Nick said. If, if you're not feeling good, then reach out to someone, talk to someone first uh, before you do anything else. Um, it's really great that we've got Bruce and Lindsay with us tonight. It's, it's really good of you to join us, guys. Uh, it's a special moment for us to have you on. And um, I know mental health plays a, a part in what, what you guys do as, as well. Um, you know, not all disabilities are visible. I think these I've seen uh, on more than one car sticker before now. So um, let me ask you this, first of all, get you back. Um, choose who takes the question. I don't mind who. Um, how did the CPFC Disabled Supporters Association come about in the first place and how long have you guys been going tell us a little bit about the history of it if you would so we are we are established uh, in 2015 uh, primarily it was a premiership directive that, that that most clubs should have some sort of back office support for disabled supporters uh, i wasn't there in the uh, at the right at the beginning uh, we had we had four members there initially uh, and 18 clubs at the premiership took part uh, as I recall, uh, there was two clubs that didn't participate straight away. Now, it wouldn't be fair to name those two clubs, but no. one of them plays at St James's and the other one at Stamford Bridge. But, <laughs> but I won't, I won't name those two clubs. Uh, and basically, what it was, it was just to make sure that you know, fans of all you know disabilities, whether it's physical, non-physical, you know, sight, hearing, whatever, could experience a match day experience. And that sure. we could help support, and if they had any challenges or problems, they could contact us, and we could help. You know, and we, had, we had a team of four, uh, and we had a bit of a turnaround in staff. And, and sadly, one of our founder members, Karen Green, we lost her last year. Sadly, she passed away. Uh, but we've had a new co cohort of. We've got Dave, our chair, and Lindsay's our uh, player and press player and press liaison officer. Uh, I'm secretary, and we've got Ian, uh, who looks after our IT. Yeah, and, uh, and and it's just there to be, to be there, to be seen, to be known, to help. Good. Okay, it's brilliant. And you, you have a disability, Bruce. I understand. Is that right? Yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm an amputee. Okay. Uh, okay. amputee. Uh, I went. I was invited to a meeting one night and and left as secretary. Still not quite sure how that happened, but. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, but it's quite rewarding. You know, it's a, it's one of, of these things where, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. You know, and Indeed. if you feel like you're making a difference to one person, you're making a difference. Absolutely. What about yourself, Lindsay? How did you get involved with the DSA? So, um, I actually saw on the Crystal Palace um, website that Karen had passed away, um, and I'd spoken to Karen a few times. Um, at Selhurst and I was really shocked and saddened and I, I didn't actually know that the DSA existed mm. now I work myself I'm a support worker with um, people with disabilities um, so it's really close to my heart I, I, I'm really passionate about it um, and so I looked it up and sent them a message and Bruce called me probably about 20 minutes later, Bruce, wasn't it? You've quite wasn't that, yeah. he, he didn't hang about then, though. He didn't hang about. No. <laughs> so, oh, yes, so, yeah. so we spoke on the phone for ages and, um, yeah, and, and that was it, really. So he felt that I 
I had plenty to give to the DSA. Um, yeah, so I so I joined, went off to the AGM, and yeah, the rest is history. The rest is history. Um, and you you say you got the AGM. The club provides the the facilities for that, do they? You meet at the club somewhere. Yeah, um, the club are brilliant. You know, they they are really really supportive. Um, they our, our chairman Dave. He he's organises Zoom meetings on a regular basis. Um, with them um yeah they they give us baronies to have our meetings our social events um which we actually have one coming up in november for our members on the Brilliant. 19th of november oh, my um, ah so um yeah so and they provide food for us they provide the staff um yeah they've they're ordering us some uh, some fleeces We've got some business cards. They gave us a stand in the fan zone. Let's use the fan zone so that we could meet members. Um, yeah, and, they're and, brilliant. And, they're really supportive. That's brilliant. Brilliant to know. And you mentioned Speroni's there and understand that Julian is involved with you as well. Yeah, Julian and his wife are amazing. They are really supportive of the DSA. They really want to be involved. Um, Julian comes along to our socials, our AGM. He loves meeting our members and he's great. He has photos. He just chats about his time at Palace and just, yeah. Good stuff, good great. stuff. Um, let me ask you a broader question then. Let me come to you first, Bruce, um, and then you, Lindsay. Um, what specific challenges then do disabled supporters face in general when it comes to a match day at Sellers Park? Uh, do you know what, uh, Ian, it could be anything from, from access uh, to seating to, you know, getting a drink at half time, getting something to eat, uh, getting support to actually get access into the ground and get help to find the seat. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, nobody's the same and it could be a totally different challenge, you know, every week. And, and the club, you know, they would contact the club directly if not us and then between ourselves and the club we would make arrangements to make sure that that we look after we even have you know hearing loops and you know for away fans and home fans for the for the party sighted where they can okay. sit and listen to radio commentary Brilliant. Uh, we've now got sadly down the front of the member stand when it rains they get a little bit wet uh, but now the club have gone out and invested in full ponchos that will go over the the wheelchairs and the scooters as well and, and, and keep them dry. Good to uh, hear. Half-time tea and coffee services. They'll bring it down to them rather than for them to try and access anywhere. Uh, and, you know, I just didn't know this kind of thing was going on. So that's brilliant, isn't it? So if you're a disabled supporter and you need help with things like access, getting half-time refreshments and so on, people can just reach out to you via your website. Is that the best way to do it, Lindsay? Yeah, um, but... Uh, it's really important that we get out to um, to our supporters that we're here and they need to join. You know, it's free to become a member. Um, just go onto the website, join up with your carer, other family members. Um, yeah, and then you can drop us a message um, and, and we'll look into things. We're, we're kind of the middlemen. We'll go to the club and you know liaise with them and get things sorted also we've got a sensory room that a lot of people didn't know that we have 
Um, so that's really good for for people with autism or you know things where they need to, it needs to be a bit quieter. So we've got sure. that as well. Good. And and how does Selhurst compare? You you talked about the facilities and they're improving them for disabled supporters. How do the facilities at Selhurst compare with other Premier League grounds, um, Bruce? Well, myself, myself and Lindsay don't go to many away games, uh, but our chair does. Uh, and, and Lindsay spoke to Dave earlier on today regarding this, and, and Dave says it's pretty much about the individual club. You know, uh, I've gone to Brighton the last couple of seasons, in, uh, and they've been great, you know, from parking to access to to seating. You know, they, they, they've been fantastic, and I've just invested in some West Ham tickets, so I'm looking forward to... To go and have seen that, but but it's really down to the to the individual club and the way that they manage their their supporters. Excellent, really good. I thought, I remember Old Trafford actually right by the away fans. There's quite a large bank of um, yeah, they've got a large facilities yeah. behind one of the goals at Old Trafford. You know, it's noticeable. You know, it's yeah. huge area. So uh, so yeah, good stuff. Um, so um, ha, ha, let me ask you this to finish up with um, because I know we've got a a lot to get through this evening and, and maybe give Chloe and Nick a chance to ask any questions that they've thought of as well. But uh, how can Palace fans in general get behind your efforts? What can we do to help and support? Do you know, we've had a really brilliant um, following on Twitter. The Palace fans have really got behind us. That's actually thanks to my brother. He was like, you've got to get on Twitter. And he was actually the ones that contacted you, I think. Um, so, so following us, tweeting us retweeting um just getting the word out there i think isn't it bruce absolutely you know come and join us on our, our social night is november the 19th it's a family night uh in speronis uh come and join membership is absolutely free go on the website join on the website contact us through twitter through facebook even through the club and the club will redirect it to us uh and come and join us you don't have to be disabled to join just come and help out and, and, and feel free to be part of it. Yeah, I mentioned to Lindsay on the phone the other night about um, a good friend of mine whose son has got muscular dystrophy and uh, he's in a wheelchair. He finds it tough to get to games these days. Um, but, um, you know, maybe with your help, we can we can get him along to another game uh, sooner rather than later. Who knows? So Definitely, that would can. be a great thing. Yeah, that would yeah. be great. Nick, um, you're muted still, I think. Is there anything you would like to add to what we've yeah. been saying? couple of things. First of all, uh, uh, Bruce, you mentioned a minute ago about Facebook. We've got your website uh, scrolling along the bottom of the screen. Uh, what's the name on the uh, on your Facebook group, please? Uh, CPFCDSA. CPFCDSA. Now, before we went live, ladies and gentlemen, I actually had a look on that page and there was over 400 people uh, associated with that page. It would be immense for me and the rest of the team that if you could get on there, uh, Give them a like, okay. Give them a follow and spread the word. What else can Red and Blue Review do to publicly get your name and what your hard work you carry out? What else can we do to assist? Well, you keep keep an eye on the web on the website because we have daily or sorry, we have monthly newsletters that the chairman writes. Uh, Lindsay and Ian also done a fantastic job on Twitter, so our Twitter handle is CPFCDSA. Uh, get involved in some of the chats and things that we do on Twitter. Uh, and then if you see us pitch up at a stall, uh, beer festival, fan zone, wherever, come and say hello. Yeah, come and say hello. We're a friendly bunch. 
<laughs> yeah, good. I will. Sorry, I didn't get to see you for the Chelsea game. I wasn't very well myself that day. Otherwise, I would have done. But uh, we'll the definitely thing, do that. The we'll other thing, I, do that. you mentioned earlier on that there was uh, the is it the sound for the the commentary the for the line. Now, yeah, that, we actually had a couple of guys on here a few years ago um, before Ian joined us and before Chloe joined us, obviously, uh, and they were they were running it at that time. Um, it's the same guys. Forgive me, I can't remember their names. I can't remember their names. They came to our AGM there not so long ago. But if you want to use the hearing loops, uh, contact the club directly. Now that's been around a long time. That's not something new. The, the hearing loops, seriously, if you if you have got if you are partially sighted in any way, get hold of the club. I know they do a mag. This has been that was actually initially set up as a byproduct of Mayday Hospital, where they were actually broadcasting the commentary back to Mayday Hospital. That then went away because they lost the licence to broadcast it in the Mayday Hospital and the club then took it on uh, with these two guys and I'm going to kick myself because they've been on here two or three times. I can't remember the names. Yeah, they came um, to the AGM and they donated a couple of books. Uh, yeah, for really the AGM. Roger Dickinson. And Bully's first name. I can't remember his name. Oh, anyway, anyway, let's move on, Nick. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah. Anyway, and it's, and it's the work that they do, they do, and obviously you're you're now taking it on board. It's fantastic. Get involved, ladies and gentlemen, at Facebook land. Get in like, like, share, subscribe, follow. Thank you for that. Whoever David said that got that. That's David's our chairman. That's the, that's the chairman. He's he's on there on the chat. And 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 um, Bruce and Lindsay, you're going to stay with us, aren't you? To talk about the Chelsea and the Leeds games now. So that's, oh, that's really good. Yeah. Right, I, ladies and gentlemen, I have a confession to make. And by the way, well done to you two. Chloe, well done. Your first time live on air, you've cracked it, okay? Absolutely smashed it out of the park. Now, with Gel being away, okay, Gel's not being on screen, um, he had all the notes for the Chelsea game. So did any of you go to the Chelsea game, apart from you, Ian? Yeah. Apart from me. Lindsay. Over to you for the review on the Chelsea game. No, <laughs> you can't do that, Chelsea. That's not very fair, is it? So, Crystal Palace won Chelsea two. Conor Gallagher's late wonder goal strikes uh, gives Graham Potter a first win as Blues box. Um, it was Palace were aggrieved that Thiago Silva, who provided Aubameyang with the assist, was still on the field after he survived a potential red card check by VAR uh, for handling the ball as a last man and Palace's last man, uh, sorts of breaking on goal. In contrast to the first half, the second passed largely without incident, with Chelsea facing up to the reality of lying 10 points behind the early league leaders, Arsenal, who have, oh, by the way, Forest is now 1-1 in the Forest Villa game, uh, having just lost one, one in five matches in all competitions. That was until himself, Conor Gallagher's intervention, uh, which gave their side the first away wins since August the 6th and gave Potter for having to answer some awkward questions. Right, okay, let's do the... Chloe, I'm coming to you first, okay? I would like to know your views. Now, can you put the uh, shot up of the handball, first of all? Uh, and Ian, then I'm coming to you. Talk me through that handball, okay? Because he didn't just... As you can see there, he didn't just touch it once. He touched it twice. Was that, in your mind, a handball? So, if it was, why was he still on the pitch? Oh, why was he still on it? The decisions are so inconsistent, and yep. um, I feel like I feel like 
um, if it was like Harry Kane, someone who's a proven goal scorer, right? Who's in that? Who's in that? Who's in that situation? Then the red card would have been given because it's Ayu and he doesn't score goals or rarely scores goals. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't given because they didn't. They didn't see it as a goal scoring opportunity, which is wrong. Um, and also, I feel like like one of our defenders, that's a, like a Bamiyan or Sterling, then we would have got a red card defence. But it's just inconsistency. inconsistency. Um, and really, like, if Chelsea don't pick up them three points, then that sort of um, spoil, you know, it's, they want this top four big six, don't they? Um, and also it's, I feel like, I know this is a bit of a conspiracy, but I feel like sometimes they make these decisions for talking point. So people talk about the Premier League more. I might be completely off with that, but like... Tim Richards has just said in the chat, okay, he just said, just another big club versus smaller club issue. Uh, Lindsay, to you, um, the their nearest defender was over the other side of the pitch. He was going to get nowhere near Ayu. On, let's try and put a bit of balance here. It was Jordan Ayu, okay? Uh, had it been Wilfred Zaha, you'd have probably put money on him scoring. This is Jordan Ayu, who hasn't had, it hasn't been prolific. Why was he not sent off, Lindsay? Oh, I, you can go over that question time and time again, can't you? It was, it was just like Chloe said, the, the decisions are just inconsistent. And I just, I can't help but always come back to this big six bias. That, that's it for me. Bruce, the, the, my, my, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with VAR. I don't think, I think VAR is a fantastic tool for them to use. Yeah. Um, VAR is only as good as the operators. What have they got to do to get this right? Nick, it wasn't. I don't blame Thiago. I don't blame VAR. It was a referee's decision, uh, and the refereeing is just inconsistent. Uh, the VAR is there to support the referees make make you know a decision, and it was a blatant red card as per the rule book. Ian, in the. Uh... Vieira at the end of the game was clearly seething. Um, were we robbed, or do you think 2 1 was a fair result? I do think we were robbed. I felt really hard done by that we didn't get something out of that game. And, you know, Patrick Vieira wasn't just seething at the end of the game, he was seething during the game, and he got a yellow card for his troubles, um, you know, on the sideline there. But, um, you know, I, th I think we've got to go back to you know, it was an opportunity to score a goal. And that the emphasis needs to be on the word the opportunity. It doesn't matter who the player is that has the ball for Crystal Palace. Jordan Ayew, we all know that he probably wouldn't have scored. But the fact is that he that 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 uh, the defender Silver was the last defender. He denied that opportunity. Therefore, it's a red card. Now, what um, what sort of surprised me and um, pleased me in equal measure, I suppose, is that the pundits on match of the day all agreed with that. Alan Shearer straight away said, Rick, oh, no doubt about it. The only person that agreed with it was that Dermot Gallagher, who, who always toes the party line. I mean, you might as well have asked Liam and Noel Gallagher for crying out loud, you know, because he's it, it, useless, that, that Dermot Gallagher. 
Can I, put, can I, Ian, can I put a footnote on what you just said about Callum Gallagher? I've come home from work today, and this is absolutely true. My son sells golfing holidays. What's that got to do with Palace Chelsea, you ask? Who did he sell a bloody golfing holiday to today? Dermot Gallagher. Dermot Gallagher. He's not related to Connor, is he? I don't know. Probably not. Um, okay. But, but do you know what? You know, it, you ask the question, do I feel hard done by? Absolutely. You know, it's never nice losing the game in the final minute like we did. But when you lose it to... We lost it to it. It was a fantastic strike. But you can almost see the headline headline writers, you know, they're, they're rubbing their hands with glee, you know, the fact that Connor has, has struck that ball so well to win the game. And credit to the lad, the way he managed to... It's his first ever goal for his boyhood club to score the winning goal in the dying minutes. And he didn't celebrate. So I think respect to him for um, you know, keeping a lid on it. Even now, as we're talking about it, guys, okay, I'm sitting here and I've got this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that, it, you know, in fairness, I listened to um, the HLTCO podcast. Dan was talking about it on the Thursday before the game, okay? Um, and he actually said live on air, bear in mind, this is three goals, two days before the game. He said, this is how it will unfold. He said, it will be a tight, scrappy game. It's probably going to be 1-1 until the dying minutes when they bring Conor Gallagher on and he will score the winner. <laughs> and he actually, and that's that's out there for you to go and find yourselves. Okay? I hope he has some money on it. And he said that, and funny enough, he said on the Monday, sadly, I didn't put any money on it. <laughs> uh, so, final score, uh, Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 2. Now, I was going to go at this stage, okay, and Jill knew about this. Nigel obviously knows about it because he's done all the work in the background. I'm not going to labour on it too much because at that point in the season, okay, this is obviously pre the Leeds game, I had some concerns. I've seen on social media there was a lot of discourse, a lot of negativity creeping in to the current uh, run of form, the current results, our league position, we're looking over our shoulder, blah, 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 blah. From the top, let me make it absolutely clear. I am 100% pro Patrick Vieira. However, the stats that Nigel very kindly produced for us, okay, and I have got I have gotten to hand, but I'm not going to go into them in great detail. What we did is we looked at the last 17 games, okay, the last 17 games, and used that as a direct comparison to every single manager okay, that has been sacked recently, okay, that goes from Chris Wilder, uh, Burrow, there was, there was a whole list of them, okay, um, a whole load of managers, uh, Thomas Tuchel, there's a whole list of uh, managers that we did, a direct comparison, 17 against 17. Up there, right at the top of the table, was one Mr Vieira, okay, he had the worst win percentage, he had the worst this, he had the worst that. I was getting a little bit concerned. What we didn't do, however, is we haven't updated that since yesterday's result. Okay, so it would probably change. Things would have probably changed a little bit now. So what I've decided to do is hold back on that. Okay, that information until the World mm. Cup. Okay, because we have had. You got to understand that for the first part of this season, we have had the worst. Uh, opening part of the season, playing the biggest teams in the division, the toughest opening start of the season out of any other club in the Premier League. And I get that. 
However, we now have imminent, eminently some very winnable games, including starting yesterday. So I, I am pro Patrick Vieira. If you look at that list of games that Nigel very timely brought up on there, there are some games on there with teams really rank out of form. You know, the obvious one there has got to be Southampton. Everton not doing great. Newcastle playing well. West Ham playing well. Forest currently won one against Villa, who are also struggling. So I think what I'm going to actually defer any talk about the manager and where we are as in the league until we break for uh, breaking November. Ian, go. Yeah, I, I can't believe you're even thinking uh, that Vieira isn't right for Crystal Palace, Nick. I really can't. Um, I, I've seen on Twitter today um, someone you've already name-checked, um, very uh, positive Palace Twitter account, Hopkins look at the curl one. He says, and I haven't checked this out, he says, Patrick Vieira is the first Palace manager to have a record with more wins, 18, and draws, 18, than losses, 17, since Terry Venables was in charge between 76 and 1980. I haven't checked those stats out, but he wouldn't tweet it if it wasn't true. So he's actually had more wins than losses. So I'm not sure where you're coming from, mate, with those other things. <laughs> Nigel, if you're, if you're watching this, Nigel, put, put this sheet up, OK, because he's asked a question, OK? Now he's asked a direct question. We will show you something if he's got it there. Um, let me let me underline my caveat. Right at the very top of this discussion, OK, that Patrick Vieira is the man for me. The question would be, OK, let's open it to you guys. Bruce, if we were to lose Vieira tomorrow, who would we replace with? Well, it's, it's a lottery, isn't it? You know, who's to say anybody's going to go in there and do a better or worse job? It's just an absolute lottery. I'm not a lover of getting rid of managers. You know, the way the turnover the Premiership has in managers, they just don't seem to get a lot of chance these days. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm all for keeping for a manager for as long as possible, good, bad or indifferent. Dawn, she's made a good point in the chat. She said uh, yesterday his bench was tight. We should have kept Kowate. Uh, then that opens another, up another can of worms with a two-year contract of a plus 30, 32-year-old. Lindsay, um, Vieira in? It's got to be a yes, isn't it? Definitely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. In. <laughs> Closed. Have you got anything anti what I've just said? It's got to be Vieira in? Yeah, he's done nothing to prove that he, he should be sacked, in my opinion. James Convoy just said, "Yeah, Steve Bruce. Yeah, all right, mate. Thanks. Yeah, see another one." I think what we've got to see, what we what we see with Patrick is that he gets the club. You know what I like about him and his in his pressers is that he doesn't get too you know too over the moon when we've won. He doesn't get too down when we've lost. He's very pragmatic, uh, and you can imagine him being very pragmatic with the players. and And he has his game plan. He knows what he wants from them. Um, you know, he's he's very animated on the touchline, which I like. And you can imagine, you know, half-time yesterday, I know we're going to come to the Leeds game in a minute, but he needed to say something at half-time. He did, didn't he? He must have done because, you know, we did turn it around in the second half. So, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall sometimes in that dressing room. But, you know, for me, Patrick Vieira is doing a smashing job. I met an Arsenal fan on the train coming back yesterday. He was asking me about it. And, you know, because they all love him at Arsenal. They still love him to bits. And, uh, uh, and I think if he... If, if I mean, I know Arsenal are doing very well at the moment, but if they weren't, then they would certainly be looking at him now as, as a successor to, to their manager. So, you know, I think other clubs will be looking at him saying, 
you know what, he's, he's done a great job at Crystal Palace and he could do a job at, at um, almost any club in the Premier League, I would think, now. Yeah, and I, and I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, it, but we'll move on that. Somebody just asked in the chat, why are we even having this conversation? Do you know what? Yeah, good, good point. And <laughs> we're not, not going to have this conversation anymore. I must caveat, I said, yeah, it is. Okay, it's before social media rips me a new one, and it will do, uh, which I'm used to. I don't care about that. I did caveat, say, he's, he's, he's my choice. Right. Okay, on to yesterday's game, which really was a game of two halves. Um, I watched it in the car on the way back from Preston yesterday, and I did see a lot of it. Um, there's your lineup for you. I thought it was an extremely bold move, uh, replacing Schlupp for Mitchell. Um, sorry, Mitchell for Schlupp, uh, and but a really attacking lineup, and one I was quite comfortable with. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, again, I'm going to put at the top of here before we even talk about the game, what have we got in Joachim Anderson? What a leader that guy is! What a leader. A, he's a gorgeous-looking bloke, okay? But he's just a man-mountain. He's a colossus in our defence. Um, Ian, talk, talk me through the game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was almost like a, the opposite to the Chelsea game, wasn't it? In as much as, you know, we started better against Chelsea. Well, you know, we got the first goal anyway. And it was the opposite way round, you know, against Leeds United at the weekend. Um, in terms of possession, we have 55%. So, you know, we bossed the possession. Um, shots, we're 13 to their 10. Five on target to their four. Corners, 5-3. Um, Leeds United, dirty, dirty, dirty leads. Look at that. 22 fouls to our 13. And um, they certainly know how to put it about a bit in uh, in North Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was very disappointed with the start of the game. I thought we, we just weren't at it. Um, I don't know what it was, but we simply weren't at it. Leeds' is uh, high press um, did make a difference. You know, that moment when Guita, you know, the shot, the back pass was, was hard and fast and he fumbled it sort of thing. And then he rushed to get it away. I mean, the whole of the homestyle had their hearts in their mouths, didn't they? You know, thinking, oh, my goodness, what on earth is going on? We've seen other teams this last weekend give goals away by this poor... Um, this poor football out from the back, you know, for goodness sake, put your laces through it and get it up the pitch. A lot of us are thinking, and, and that's what we resorted to in the second half, which enabled us to win the game for sure. Um, but having said that, having started poorly and having conceded the goal, uh, and the goal, their goal actually was a very good goal because that seven, that uh, Aronson, um, he was like a little Georgie Best, wasn't he, in the penalty area. None of the Palace defenders dared touch him and he got his shot away, hit the post. And to be fair, it just rebounded nicely for a Leeds player. Could have rebounded anywhere, and he got his goal. Um, and on the on the I don't know, through was it through Ward's legs? I didn't realise that. Ian can, I, Ian, can I just jump in there, mate? On that picture there, I and I'm going to do this both ways. I'm going to do a little bit of balance there. Now that shot that eventually went by the look of it go through Ward's, Ward's legs, and I didn't notice that. So I actually think uh, Guaita was slow getting down to that shot. Because if you look at the similar sort of shot in the second half, he makes a bloody great, a good save. No, I don't think I don't think you can say that about him. You know, it comes at him really fast. Um, I wouldn't fault Guita for that that goal. I really wouldn't um, personally. That's my view anyway. Um, you know, we and we we you know we start playing a bit more football, and you know we get we get forward. Now, who wins the free kick? Um, Jordan Ayew on the right hand side. You know, 
he can win a free kick, that guy. You know, really holds the ball up well. Working and, hard. Um, plays his part brilliantly. Ninja, there he is, um, with his head injury, which came a bit later in the game. Um, but it was a brilliant ball in by Elise. But then the VAR. Oh, my goodness. You know, we're celebrating it. And we just have to wait, you know, for that VAR. And I, and I thought, I don't know what other people thought, but the longer it went on, I thought, oh, this is going to be ruled out, you know, because they look at it. The longer it takes, usually they change their mind. Um, uh, Lindsay, you were in the ground yesterday. I don't know whether you felt the same as me when we were waiting. Do you know what? It, 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 when you're waiting, it is just because when you're at home and you, you see that they put the lines in and everything, you... And it's usually by, and you're like, really? But there, everyone is just, they don't know, do they? Nobody knows if it's going to be given or not. I know. And the ball had come back to the centre circle, hadn't it? Yeah, they were lining up to take the mm. kickoff. And um, thankfully, um, he wasn't offside. And, uh, you know, that's two and two now for Odson Edward. You know, is he becoming a, an FPL, you know, budget attacker? <laughs> you know, is he someone we should be looking at? He's Get him in your fantasy league, everybody. He's, you know, he's coming to a bit of form, is our boy. He is. And he got on the end of it really well. He scored his goal against Chelsea well as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm delighted for him because, you know, he, he came to us as a proven goal scorer from Celtic. And, you know, after that debut, we all thought he was going to be the next best thing. But then it all went off the ball for him a little bit last season. But I'm really pleased that he's um, getting his goals now and he's looking a threat. And But it's all about the quality of the ball into the box, isn't it? You know, yeah. the, 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 the IU's cross for the goal against Chelsea was a beautiful ball into the box. Elise's ball into the box yesterday was a beautiful ball into the box. So, you know, our wide players have got to get the balls in to, to, into that six-yard box where he's dangerous and he can get his knee on it, his head on it, his shoulder on it, anything on it to get it goalward. Um, and we've got That's a chance to spring goal. Needs. That's what he needs. He's he's a different sort of type of player to... Mateta, Mateta will run at the defenders and cause carnage in the box. Okay, that's mm. not Edward's game. Edward did he, he relies on decent quality service into the box, and he's got it twice now and scored from both times. Uh, maybe that's the winning formula. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? so yeah, we go in at half time. Uh, I think that Jesse March guy was saying, Oh, bit of grief. We're going in at one all. You know, we deserve to be winning at half time. Well, they weren't, it was one all. Um, second half, we came out, we were looking a bit better in the second half and bossed the game a bit. And we changed the way we played. We, you know, we, we started, we knew we weren't going to have success with this short ball out of the back. We had to lock it long. And there were times when Joel Wall was knocking it long and, and others were knocking it long, Anderson and others. And we're getting in behind the Leeds defence. And they, they were getting a bit tired, to be fair, you know, because they were working really hard for 75 minutes or so. And um, what a goal when it came. You know, it's a goal fit to win any game. Um, I just love the little touch by Will for the assist. It was pure quality. And then Eze shimmed his man and got his shot away and 2-1. What a lovely goal. And I think it was his first goal at Sellers in front of supporters, I read somewhere, which hopefully it's the first of many um, because uh, he is a pure talent, the kid. And um, it's just great to see... And great to see us is seeing the game out as well because you know, like like everyone else, probably we're thinking on comes Hughes, on comes Milivojevic. You know, they did okay yesterday, of course. Um, and we see the game out, and, and Leeds weren't the threat that you know other teams have been in the last five minutes. And I was at Ellen Road when we lost one nil last season, so that was painful. So we did owe, owe Leeds for sure. 
And um, it was an important <laughs> win, wasn't it? Because it pushes up the table a little bit, gives it a little bit of breathing space, and gives us that foothold now to push on for these next few games that we've talked about already. Um, Bruce, while I think about it, Bruce, keep your eye on the after the show. Don't forget to go back and review some of the comments that I've been going through. Uh, people are actually asking about you and your family in the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen them strolling around, yeah. You've been in um, For those of you who were there yesterday, I'll be interested to know your views on Zaha. Somebody said in the chat a little while ago that he's been off his game the last couple of games. Um, Bruce, your thoughts? Do you know what? I, I really enjoyed yesterday. Uh, I was quite surprised when I saw the possession stats because I thought that we just couldn't keep hold of possession for the first half. I thought we were we were pretty, pretty poor at that. Uh, with them doing, you know, quite a forward press. Uh, and just for me, it was like quite an average performance, apart from obviously having Anderson back and, and Jordan doing his best Eric Young impression uh, and a great cross and a great goal. Uh, for me, it was just average and, you know, Call me what you want, but I just wasn't overly impressed. I think Zaha was very quiet. Decore didn't really keep a lot of possession and just got man-marked about the game. Uh, and I just wanted to see a bit more of the one-touch stuff that we played in the second half. You know, if we'd come out and, and started like that and, you know, maybe like, like you know, what you're saying, kick it up the park and, and see what we can do with it there rather than, you know, this, again, not a big lover of this playing it out from the back. Uh but yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping for, or I'm hoping for the next game for it's just a little bit more. I think they, they, hopefully they've learned a lesson from yesterday. Paul Bristow in the chat, Paul Bristow in the chat has just said uh, that uh, Eze scored in front of the Southampton fans uh, last season, which he did. Uh, Ian's point was rightly, he said, uh, sellers, okay, and it's that's his first game goal in front of the. Palace faithful at Sellers Park. Chloe, uh, anything to add on the Zaha thing? Do you think he? Uh, do you think he had a poor game or so? Um, I think it was a bit of both. Um, I think he was wasn't really in the game. That was due to was it Christiansen for Leeds? Yeah, uh, was sort of marking him the entire game. Um, so it was sort of difficult for him to really do anything. Um, and every time we, um, they were forcing us to play down one side. So, I and mean, then every time it would get the ball, they'd double up or something. They'd make it really hard to create really anything. Um, so it was, yeah, it's a bit of both for me. Lindsay, uh, it's been made, the point that's been made out on social media that he really doesn't like to be playing out on the touchline. He likes to be more, more central. I mean, is there any any truth in that, would you say? You know, I think Wilf had a problem yesterday because warming up, he was on the floor. He had the medics coming over to him. He wasn't really yeah, engaging. Shot. and Yeah, he wasn't really. So I I think there was some kind of, of problem there. And the thing is, with, with Wilf, everyone wants to foul him, don't they? And, and yesterday, I felt Leeds were just... Fouling and, and the ref just took no notice. Your point is well made, and I'll tell you for why. Mark Callahan, Callahan's just said it in the chat. Wolf was limping on the turf during the warm up and didn't look happy. Uh, so your point is absolutely well made. Go on in. Yeah, and, and Lindsay, I, I hadn't picked up on that before now. 
Um, but when I was watching the warm-up, you know the strikers are uh, taking shots on goal. Uh, yeah, Wilf yeah. wasn't part of that to begin with. He did have a go towards the end, but he spent ages on his own talking to one of the guys, just, you know, just standing in the middle of the pitch on his own. So yeah. I think they're probably spot on with that in terms of uh, the fact that he wasn't quite right. But you see, the thing about Wolf is that he is, they do double up on him still, even though we've got Eze and Elise, and they do kick him and they know they can wind him up. I mm. thought in the Chelsea game, I thought Reese James had a brilliant game against him. I thought it was a very good battle, but it's very even. But Reese James just about shaded it, probably. Um, but I like what um, in the chat, I like what Palace Pins says. He says that flick by Wilf. If Foden had done it, Sky would have made a documentary. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, you know, Wilf, you know, he can make a difference, which he did yesterday, because that, that flick for the assist for the goal was 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 the difference you know that's that's how as they had the space to take the shot on so um you know i, I think he'll play even if he's only 70 percent fit will wilf um and a 70 percent fit wilf is probably better than other players that are fully fit so uh so yeah i i think i think we'll get frustrated when he doesn't take people on when he, he passes the ball back and he loses possession and he moans we'll get frustrated by that because we know we've seen better but over the course of a season, he will continue to deliver, I'm confident. Absolutely right. And by the way, Mr. Zaha, in case you don't know what this is, okay, let me help you. I'll hand deliver it to your house. I know where you live. All you've got to do is use one of those to sign your extension to your contract, please. Okay. Love to your family, Mr. Zaha. Crystal Palace boss Patrick Vieira has warned the rest of the Premier League that Abriccio Eze is getting better and better after his fine individual goals scored, uh, secured a victory against Leeds at Sellers Park. The forward has started all eight league games this season, but his second half strike on Sunday was his first of the campaign. Uh, it was he just needed, as he say, we just needed a win because when we look at our performance lately, we've been quite good. The only thing that we we're missing was a win today. We didn't play that well, but as we did before, uh, and we managed to to win the game. Listen, I think what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you guys, I'm just going to, because there's lots of people who've actually joined us late, I've noticed out on Facebook land, I want to reset the competition that we set right at the top of the show. Everybody in Facebook land, I need your entries, please, at the end of the show, keep your uh, predictions coming. We have six games before the World Cup break, six games left, uh, four of them are away, Two of at home. Your predictions, please. How many points will Crystal Palace scoop during that period of those six games before the international break? Um, we've already had all those low sent through to us already, and the panel in front of you has also given a new prediction. I'd like to know what you think. So the games are uh, Leicester away, Wolves at home, Everton away, Southampton at home, West Ham away, and Forest away. What are your predictions? Put them through. I'm sure when we decide after Christmas, uh, we go back and look, look at your predictions, there will be a prize of some sort. Uh, Ian's got a war chest of little prizes. Yeah, he, he hasn't got a clue, but I'm sure he will do. Give us your predictions. Um, and also, for, again, for the uh, benefit of the people that joined us late, I'd also like to thank the, the guys from Crystal Palace Football Club, Disabled Supporters Association. For their benefit, please let them know uh, on Facebook, what your Facebook name is and your Twitter handle, please, Bruce. It's uh, Facebook is CPFC DSA. 
Twitter is CPFCDSA, and our website is cpfcdsa.org. And thank you both so much for joining us. If I was wearing one, I'd be doffing my cap to you both and the rest of your team uh, do magnificent work at Sellers Park. Chloe, congratulations on your... You, you've lost it now. You've lost your cherry on the show. Uh, well done. Lots of great comments coming through. Go back and read them, Chloe, because they're there for you. Uh, some Lots of people agreeing with some of your stuff. Uh, it's, it is great to have a new face on the panel. Come back and see us again soon because I haven't got any more dates for you yet. So you need to get in the chat and put your dates in, yeah? I will do. Thank you. Lindsay and Bruce, again, thank you for joining us this evening. I'm very grateful. Ladies and gentlemen out in Facebook land, uh, I'm sorry Gerald drops off. Ian, as always, mate, we can't do it without you. Thank you very much. And Nigel Croucher up in Sunderland, bless your heart. On behalf of myself, Nick Philpott, and the rest of the team, take care. God bless. It's okay not to be okay. Phone somebody. Phone me. Talk to me. Good night. Good night. All. Thank you, guys. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.